Welcome everyone back to the broadcast. Not an emergency broadcast. I know many people expressed the desire for that, but we're, you know, only four days after Mick Cronin was hired as the uh, men's basketball coach. I'm joined. I'm David Woods. I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. We are we are from you know UCLA's two four seven sports site, Bruin Report Online. Tracy, how are you? I'm okay, Dave. I'm still getting over you know the whole thing. It's yeah. kind of like. Right after a big event, you're kind of in that, what is that kind of period of where you're kind of shell-shocked, I guess? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if I were, I shouldn't say, I was going to say I'm in Dresden and I, no, <laughs> I just but, got bombed. But, but, but I, in I fairness, in fairness most of the people who are in Dresden are either, you know, there's not many of them listening to the show is what I should say. That, that's very true. Slaughterhouse Five, favorite book. Okay, so, let's go. All right, so we're talking men's hoops. Uh, UCLA uh, landed its coach after a long process. That's, that's, that's probably an objective term to describe the process. Everything else is a little subjective, but it was a long process. We can say that definitively. It lasted, I think, exactly 100 days. Um, I'm unsure, but you're right. I, I can't that was a long, that was a long search. And that probably, the length contributed to probably the atmosphere and the feelings. Yeah, I think what I would say to (laughs) Um, UCLA is like, okay, five days for Steve Alford, a little bit short. A hundred days for (laughs) Mick Cronin, a little bit long. Can we like, I don't know, find some middle ground here. Like 20 days. How does 20 days sound to everyone for the next time? Okay, we'll we'll vote. Twenty days, everyone. Okay, so that means you need a hot. You need to fire your coach with about like, tw- twenty days before the end of the NCAA tournament. There that's we kind go. Of what yeah, I think that's really what you got to shoot for going forward. But all right, wh- whatever. You know, it's trial yeah. and error. Trial and error. Yeah. Okay, so UCLA ended up with Mick Cronin, Cincinnati uh, head coach. Um, coached his last, uh, I believe. Uh, 13 seasons at Cincinnati, the previous three at Murray State. He has taken Cincinnati to nine straight NCAA tournaments. Uh, Dan said in the presser, eight, but it's actually nine. Undersold I like how coach. you and Dan are so familiar. I mean, that, you know, he, yeah. he you and, and Dan. I, he and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> um, but it's uh, nine straight NCAA tournaments. Uh, had a truly elite season in 2017-2018, where they finished fourth on Ken Palm. Had a two-seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, but... Let's just put all the cards on the table. Um, Process-wise, given lots of talk about John Calipari, lots of talk about Jamie Dixon, a lot of hopes that Tony Bennett was going to get bounced by a 16 seed again and be available for hiring. Um, Mick Cronin was probably not the name a lot of people were thinking of uh, during this process. So I was, I was very interested to see what the reaction would be on the message board. And the interesting thing is, I think it has kind of mirrored my own. Almost, really? Yeah, because it's gone from basically... You mean after we delete all the crazy... Yeah, yeah, posts, no, after you delete the okay. pure vitriolic insanity, a yeah. lot of people with the initial announcement being like, oh, meh, you know, just kind of like a deflating moment. And then sure. in basically 24 hours after that, being like, well, actually, no, it's going to be probably fine because... If you look at this by any um, resume standard coming into the job, this is what the second best hire UCLA basketball's made since Larry Brown after Ben Howland. Like it's better than Herrick at the time. I mean, he had coached at Pepperdine and done, you know, had like a couple of decent seasons, and that was about it. You had yep. Steve Alford, 
who had proven by that point that he actually wasn't a high major coach and they still hired him. Um, Steve Lavin, who, you know, held a towel for a while and that was his experience going into the job. And then Larry Farmer and and Walt Hare and uh, Walt Hazard, who, you know, let's not speak ill of them, but they had no resume to speak of at that point. So, I mean, from that perspective, he's the second best hire they've made since Larry Brown. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, as you could probably know, I, I'm a little gun shy to talk about any of the whole hiring experience and coaching search. I mean, just as as you as we said before we got on this call, I mean, just about anything I reported, there were there was I could just say anything and get just a mountain of criticism. So it it makes it a little difficult to try to impart, you know, information. Um, I'll try to do it here, Dave, but I might be a little reserved because, you know, you just, I guess that's where I'm shell-shocked. Yeah. And probably understandably, don't you think? Well, I mean, you get screamed at enough. Eventually, you just decide you don't want to be screamed at anymore. When when people are really saying that you have an ulterior motive in, in what you're posting and what you're saying, when you've put in so much work, when you get some information and you really check in with a lot of different sources and you you make it it's really painstaking and then someone just says oh either you're making that up you don't know what you're talking about or you have an agenda and it's just it's i hope you all can understand how deflating it can be <laughs> yeah I, I think it's actually it is a hard thing for a lot of people to understand because i've had to explain it to a few people in the past like i for my personal part i don't care about much anything else but like the accusations of intellectual dishonesty um those bother me like at the beginning of last year, when we were a mite bit critical about Chip Kelly, it was all these accusations of, why are you doing this? What's your what's your motive? What's your agenda? And I'm like, whatever. I'm just calling it what I think it is. If you want to disagree and say, my eyes are wrong and I'm seeing it the wrong way and this is why it's better, fine. Whatever. That's fine. That's great. But when you start attacking people for what they're bringing into that and not like acknowledging it, but attacking them for it, then it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's this, it's, it just gets into ad hominem stuff. That's not really worthwhile. And with UCLA basketball, I, I'm, you know, we're, we completely understand that there's a lot of BB BBS built up. There's just a lot of frustration and anxiety and that kind of tweaks the way, the way people can, can think and, when yeah, this was kind of this is kind of the basic impulse of everyone. UCLA deserves a, a really excellent big name coach, and I I agree with that in in just basic theory. But like in anything in life, when it comes down to the reality of the situation, you really start breaking it down. Sometimes what you think something deserves or how something should be just doesn't happen. And no matter how often you tell someone, well, this is the reality. And they keep coming back and saying, well, no. And they just default back to square one. That's really frustrating. Like with the explanation about what went through, what happened with the Jamie Dixon whole process. Um, You know, if I could say maybe that, Maybe early on UCLA should have just said we're out of the Jamie Dixon <laughs> uh, process. Um, I know, 
I'm absolutely 100% certain that because of how difficult they knew it was dealing with TCU, the contract, the buyout, he never was on the front burner. He was always, well, if that can get worked out, we'll look into it, but we, we can't put eggs in that basket. And I know this. I, this comes, I can't burn a source, but this comes from someone who's, you know, east of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, so the way that went down, I, maybe they should have pulled the plug on it earlier, but I think they knew, and like we recognize that Jamie Dixon generally – in so many ways, is is a really good fit for the UCLA job. Uh, just from, you know, his his record, he's from here. He would value, you know, the UCLA job and and uh, coaching along the sidelines where John Wooden coached. You know, there are a lot of things that were just a perfect fit. And and I and if that's a mistake that you kept going back to that because it was so compelling, I probably would have made that same mistake. Also, because there were so many boxes that he checked. So if that's a mistake, let's concede that as a mistake. But I think I, I, I write kind of compassionately about that or maybe forgivingly because I think I would have made that same mistake. Yeah, I think and I think that can get involved with some of this stuff where it's like the because it is a good fit. Like it's it, that's probably I mean, if we're assessing fit. I mean, yeah. Mick Cronin's presser certainly won me over to an extent, but if we're assessing fit, a guy who's actually from Southern California is probably a better one for the UCLA job than a guy from Cincinnati who spent his entire life in Cincinnati. Um, yeah. Like, if you're, if you're looking at it from the hiring perspective. Now, obviously, uh, Cronin made his case in that presser, and I think he did it in a compelling way that, no, this is a great fit, and he really loves and wants the job. Um, and I th- thought he was very compelling in, in indicating that. But um, in, in the initial stages, I mean, it certainly makes sense why you would try to see if there's any way for it to work with Dixon. Um, but, the, I mean, the process, I think we've kind of, I mean, it's kind of done to death at this point. Obviously, the optics of it from a national writer perspective, from an outside perspective with what was getting leaked and how it was getting leaked didn't look good for UCLA. Um, the John Calipari, because the optics of that look like John Calipari played him for a lifetime contract. The optics of the Rick Barnes thing look like Rick Barnes played him for a bigger Tennessee contract. Um, and then the optics of the Jamie Dixon thing, at least as far as the public and, and national narrative is, oh, UCLA was too cheap to pay his buyout. Right. Um, so and, that's the that's what it is. You you just nailed it. It's all about the optics. It's not it's not literally about more about the facts of what happened. And what I would wish, <laughs> and, I think, is that if if there was one thing I would have fixed for UCLA, wherever these leaks were coming from, leaking a public counter narrative because like just getting it out there to kind of the same national voices you know what i'm saying that there i think you're long i think you got i think you're right i think this is if if i'm citing there i think there's two things that were wrong with two main things one is that you just have to concede in this era there are going to be leaks not even from you let's say there's nothing on your end if you're going to go try to talk to john calipari and let's say john calipari is absolutely 
actually serious and wants the job. You don't, you think you can sit on that? John Calipari? I mean, that guy w- would tell everyone, we'd tell 25 people within probably five minutes. Right. There, there was no way in this era when, if you talk to a coach, you got to talk to the coach, you got to talk to his agent, you got his financial people are going to call. He's got people he consults with. And then their little circle who they're, I mean, that's 20 people. There's no way, you just have to concede there are going to be leaks. And the thing is, do you change your search because of those leaks? I don't know. I, I seriously don't know the answer to that. Um, um, I, that to me, that was the, one of the issues. And I don't know. I don't know what's right. The second one, and I've been saying this forever, and this is another tough one, but my instinct about the UCLA job is go out and get a really good coach. You don't need a big splash. You don't need a big name. UCLA, if you get a good coach and a good uh, staff, coaching staff, UCLA will take care of itself more now than ever because the Pac-12 sucks. UCLA's got a lot of money. They're going to give you a good assistant salary pool. You've got a lot of uh, resources. Now, more than ever, that makes sense. But if you're running the search or you have influence on it, it would be really tough not to go after big names, I think. For me, personally, I, I wouldn't have. I never would have pursued John Calipari, ever, ever. Not only because... He's got a history of doing this. I, I don't think he would ever be worth the money. I'd be worried about him doing his retirement job and staying in his house in Malibu more than spending time on campus. I would, I'd be so worried. Can he recruit? I mean, let's, when you're recruiting the top 25 in the country, let's, I mean, I'm not going to be too candid, but we know what that takes to do that. I don't think he'd be able to recruit the same way he's recruited at different places that he'd be able to recruit at UCLA. What if the one and done is over? There's so many questions, but it was all about big splash. I would not have gone after John Calipari and I'm probably going to get ripped on the, on the forum because most people thought John Calipari was a home run and they would have been very happy. And that was the big splash. There's that's what I thought went. I would have tried everything I can to find the next Brad Stevens. Yeah, I think And then and I, then one other a few other things just so the parameters here. This is a completely different you can't say this is like all the other searches. This searches was very unique because it was it's in the shadow of the FBI scandal. Everyone doesn't know, but there are people you just couldn't touch. And I and I know everyone says, well, UCLA has two highest standards. There are people that the vast majority of programs are not touching right now because of the FBI scandal. Um, there's also there's also a lot of things because of the Me Too movement, which and a lot of things that I think are finally coming to light about people's behavior in their workplace. That is excellent and has always been needed, but there are things that you know, coaches have done 20 years ago that they can't get away with now. And let me just tell you this too. The coaching industry is a scummy industry. It's scummy. These guys, for whatever reason, the, a lot of, there's a vast number of coaches who are just not good people. 
They have a lot of skeletons in their closets. I hate to break it to you people, but this is how it is. Um, I, I talked with some people I know out there in recruiting circles. And I mean, we laugh at what we all know. And I've heard for years about so many of these coaches where 25 years ago, you used to be able to, or even 20 years, keep it under wraps. When I first started doing this job, we'd go to Las Vegas for all the AAU tournaments. Every single assistant coach and head coaches were at strip bars. Not that I was ever there, that I knew that they were there personally. <laughs> but now, I mean, there's they can't do these kind of things now. Things have changed. And a lot of the behavior that these people do hasn't changed. They're still old school. It's still a, a good old boy network. And it just isn't appropriate anymore. I mean, there have been UCLA coaches that have done some things that if you did right now background checks on them, you wouldn't be able to hire them. I'm just going to leave it like that. So, like that time Ben Howland kissed John Gold. <laughs> That's workplace harassment, buddy. Honestly, Ben Howland was, while we, I'm going to call him gruff, and he'll probably you know, text me the first time in two years and say, are you still calling me gruff? But if there was a guy who had personal integrity – among all the coaches that have been, I mean, there are others, but Ben Hallen was a guy who actually would clear vetting because he was a very good person and, and, you know, lived a good life by high standards. But believe me, he was unusual. If you start going down the list between the FBI scandal and per, there ain't too many people left. I mean, look what all the other schools that are out there, look at the guys they hired. Uh, it's just... No matter how much I say this, I got caught up in it here, Dave, again. No matter how much I say this, people just don't want to believe it. And what's really interesting is that they see it in their own lives. They see it like if you go out to someone's business, they'll say, oh, no, I work in the movie industry. It's completely corrupt. I work in with this corporation and this industry. It's completely corrupt. But you assume that college basketball isn't? <laughs> These are human beings just like that, and they have a lot of money. And they feel entitled. That's a in a in a kind of a good old boy industry. That's a dangerous combination. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with all of that. And then also the one note I would have with addition to, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't have prioritized Calipari. I probably still would have taken a swing at Tony Bennett because I think you have to. Um, but from a timing perspective, it obviously would have been much better for them to fire Alford last year and then make that run at Tony Bennett um, when he loses to a 16 seed. Kind of hard to do after the national title. Um, but so, all right, that's all the process stuff. Let's put that to the side. They hired Mick Cronin um, from Cincinnati. Um, I watched his presser. You were at his presser. Um, I came away pretty impressed. I liked the guy a lot. You keep talking about how impressed you are. I'm not <laughs> – rather than me saying it because then someone will say I'm to I'm touting the company you line. See, you're, no, you're all gun-shy now. No, but like, I, really I was, I was predisposed man. to not like him. Like I was predisposed yeah. to be kind of meh about the whole thing. And then I watch him and he's like – like. I guess what I was – and we always say, oh, they should deprioritize you know, connections to UCLA and all that kind of stuff. But I, I was so sick of watching later years Mora and Alford, like just not 
give a crap about being at UCLA. Like, not give a crap about the school, whatever. It's just a, you know, this is just the place I work. Like, all that stuff. And it was offered from the beginning. Obviously, more developed some resentments later on. But um, seeing the guy who, like, very clearly is, like, happy to be there and super excited about it and super so, excited to be coaching UCLA, that was that was refreshing. Right. And now just a little bit more on process. So get this while you're part of the search and you're looking at all these guys and while your negotiations or while you're pursuing other guys, it's just like a land, you know, it's a minefield uh, with other guys. And then you've got this one guy, Mick Cronin, who's literally everything we heard at his press conference are kind of the things that he was probably saying to the search committee. And you've got, I mean, wouldn't, I know I would, I'm just after a while going, screw this. I'm hiring Mick Cronin. That's a solid coach who passes all vetting, who says all the right things and wants to be here, who coaches in a style that has been successful at UCLA. You can see why it's pretty, He's pretty compelling, and you can see why he would have been during the whole search process. Yeah, it's it's incredibly easy to see, um, and you know, is obviously it's not. Um, God, I, I don't even know who. I mean, I think Mora was maybe, especially. I, I went back and watched a little bit of his introductory presser because I was trying to kind of gauge. This you did way. really? Yeah, I went back wow. and watched a little bit, and Mora was more of a polished speaker. Um, yeah. But didn't convey anywhere because I always thought of Moore as pretty enthusiastic from the jump. Didn't convey anywhere near as much enthusiasm as Cronin did um, in that presser. And obviously, I mean, we're we're talking about a stupid press conference right here. It doesn't matter in the long run, but it matters a little. Like it does matter a little. And the the amount of stuff we have heard over the years about certain coaches being just awful in the admin buildings. That matters. Like it ends up mattering because it ends up, you know, maybe there's just like a a negative culture around the program, or maybe the coach gets fired a little bit earlier than they otherwise would if they built up a little bit more goodwill. Um, but somebody actually, you know, being enthusiastic, liking the job, I mean that that does go a little bit of the way. It doesn't go all the way. Obviously, he's gonna. I mean, if he goes out there and has four losing seasons in a row, I mean, that's not gonna matter how enthusiastic he is about the job, but. Um, it, it, it does matter a little. It, it, it absolutely does. Uh, and it's easy for fans to detach themselves from that because they're not in the process, but there are a lot of things. Uh, athletic directors, ac- athletic departments can fall into this. And I, I, and I'm saying it like it's, it's a mistake, but it's human nature though. The assumption is, is that most athletic departments will hire the op, a, a, lo, a guy who has a lot of distinctly opposite qualities from the guy you just fired. Um, I think Mick Cronin being very personable, having a rep as being a very nice guy, proving through this whole, I mean, any other coach might have very much said, wow, they're going after Calipari Dixon. And he just said, you know, screw them. I'm out. But I thought he handled that question very eloquently in the press conference where he said, you know, all that is independent. That doesn't affect me. I know what the opportunity is for me, and I appreciate what UCLA is. That that was a very impressive thing. So you, you are coming off of what you really lacked in the last guy, and you want 
you want to get what he lacked. And that's what Cronin was. Like you said, though, it's all this is all nice, a little glow, and he's completely created it because of his personality and the energy and what and some of the things he said. But now it's going to be all about winning. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because um, resume wise here, I'll just give the quick rundown. Um, again, nine straight NCAA tournaments. Um, only one like truly elite team in that group, which was last year, uh, Cincinnati. They ended up a two seed. Didn't um, didn't go far in the NCAA tournament round two, but I am fully with NCAA tournaments like almost entirely a crapshoot. Um, otherwise, a lot of pretty good. Um, and with Cincinnati is not necessarily Bob Huggins Cincinnati. I mean, it's now technically in a mid-major conference, um, the American Athletics. So it is a kind of a different deal. They're recruiting from maybe a different pool. Um, all those old school Big East teams and then before that Conference USA teams. But Big East teams especially could recruit um, New York a little bit more effectively than probably Cincinnati can now. Um, but... Nonetheless, I, I look at the defense um, in six of the last nine years, they've had a top 20 defense on Ken Palm. Um, so, you know, the, the talk about him being a defensive coach, I think is dead on. Um, he seems to run a matchup zone, which, you know, kind of is sort of that technical zone with man principles. Um, it'll be interesting to see if that adapts at all at UCLA um, with potentially a higher level of athlete. Um, but the offense is probably the concern going forward. Um, he's only had, uh, I think it's two top 50 offenses ever on Ken Palm. They're the most recent, or three, sorry, uh, the three most recent years, um, but never a really good offense. He's only had one top 40. Um, That's Ken Palm offense. Yeah, this is offense, adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken okay, Palm. Um, Out of curiosity, what was Ben Halland? Ben Howland was always pretty good with his elite team. So if you go to UCLA, here, I'll give sir, I'll give you some context. And, and what was Ben Howland at Pittsburgh before he got UCLA talent? So Ben Howland in his in his final year at Pittsburgh, he was 14th on offense. Okay. Um, so and then the years at UCLA. So the first year they made the tournament, he was 80th. That was that Dijon Thompson team, 11 seed. And then the first Final Four team, 31st, second Final Four team, 27th, and third Final Four team with Kevin Love and everybody was 7th. And then actually, his best offense was the year after with Drew Holiday and everyone. That was third. Um, right. But still, those are those are each the, each of those Final Four teams and the, the year after, they were all better offenses or at least ranked higher offenses than anything Cronin has produced to this point. Now, you would expect with a higher level of talent, he'd be able to boost that up a little bit. That's just my concern because Howland was able to do that before he got to UCLA. Like at Pittsburgh, yeah. he had a highly efficient offense. Absolutely agree. I think that is clearly the major concern. Um, I think though, here's the thing from this perspective is if he had consistently had top 20 offenses to go of his defense, I don't think be he'd hiring be, him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be available. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the uh, and this is related to this when we're talking about success. If if you if you look at who's a, like what coaches do you think, Dave? In your opinion, are guys who hit the ground at UCLA and are immediately 
successful in winning? Like Jay Wright, Mark Few, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be, I mean, technically Alford. I mean, technically Alford walked into, I mean, he walked in and inherited a ton, but I mean, that was his, technically that was his best year, that first year. Yeah, I, I'm not even talking about Ken Palm. I'm saying in your opinion, what coach, what coaches out there in college basketball I mean, would I wouldn't even be... I, I wouldn't even include Jay Wright and Mark Few. I think the ones who would do it would be like I would anticipate like a. Uh, I don't know if anyone. <laughs> I mean, are we just talking general UCLA or UCLA next year? Um, let's let's talk. Let's talk. Let, let's make it a little bit real. Like UCLA over the next couple of years, what coach is such a good coach that he could come in and turn this thing around? Because of the influence of his coaching, that his coaching is that good. See, I'm I might be of a different opinion than you. I think generally anybody with a defensive mindset um, within two or three years should have this puppy completely turned around. I, I completely one hundred percent agree. But uh, in your, what guys do you think are less have less doubt that they would be able to do that? Oh, I mean, you're talking Tony, you're talking Tony Bennett. I think John Calipari would bring enough true freshmen that they'd really be pretty good next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking like the top, top tier of coaches, right? So basically guys who were all unavailable. Yeah. Right. So that's the thing among the available. I just keep going back to that process. Don't I, among the available guys, I don't know if you can find, if you're going to be able to really, when you break it down guy by guy, who has the resume and then who, you Tracy, know, Tracy, has the do personality. You have, do you have PTSD from this search? Yeah, I do. I need to go see someone. <laughs> I think you really do. Like, I think you're having, like, Nam-like flashbacks. Any any good therapists out there who are willing, like, to give me a a discount on some therapy? <laughs> I, think, I think you could really use, a good, like, a good session on a couch, just talking this, this out. This is helping. This is helping. I'm, I'm glad. Talking this I'm out glad. Right now. I'm venting right now. I'm glad. Yeah. This is great. This is like therapy. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't even, maybe we shouldn't publish this. Just no. I think it's, it's good for everyone out there who has okay. a little bit of PTSD. They can they can listen to you and they can okay. be like, okay, I'm not alone. Okay. Yeah. So, but you're the from what you just said, he fits the criteria of you think he's someone who'd be able to come in and turn this around pretty quickly at UCLA. Yeah, because well, I'm also of the opinion still. Um, so backtracking a little bit to when we were talking about the assessment of the job, because I think people are conflating a few different things. It's this appeal to authority thing where they're like, Oh, well, we're not actually that good of a job speaking in the voice of a UCLA fan, uh, because all of these coaches didn't want us. And again, I have to reiterate this because it's like my longstanding theory now uh, nobody's good at doing things. Like nobody's good at assessing things like this. So like, wait, let me just stop. I have PTSD. What would you call that when people just have that horrible of self worth? <laughs> I don't. Uh, uh, depression. Depression. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, but I guess it's just uh, why would you assume that all these coaches have anything like a really good assessment of this job? Like, they're, they're not perceptive individuals for the most part. They're basketball coaches. Like, come on. <laughs> they look at the last five years and they see, oh, Steve Olford, uh, he played at Indiana. And he, he did some things at New Mexico. Why wasn't he able to win I, Big Wait, Bear? what voice is that? That's a this great voice. This is like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know cool. what it is. Oh, I don't know. I like it's it. It's like Elmer Fudd. It's, there's a lot going on there. 
There's but, a like, lot. It's, it's yeah. all that, and it's just, well, just because they have this really limited view and they don't really understand the nature of the job doesn't mean that the reality is and that it's still a very good job. And you're going to throw media into that perception too, right? Yeah, well, because like, it's, all, yeah, it's yeah. all this dumb, this really dumb noise that you'd be silly to think that it doesn't infect the actual thinking of these people. That you're that that the fact that Gary Parrish is writing all kinds of dumb stuff, Pete Thamel's writing all kinds of dumb stuff, all these guys, Jeff Goodman's writing all this kind of dumb stuff. The fact that they're all doing that stuff um, affects the perception that a John Calipari has about the job, but it affects the perception that all these dudes have about the job, except for apparently Mick Cronin. But my point is, it's still a very good job. And going back to what I'm talking about with Mick Cronin and any defensive-minded coach. I pretty much still think any coach with a pulse can win here. Like, if you're just pretty good at it, it's easy yeah. to recruit here. Steve Alford didn't know how to recruit. Still recruited really well at UCLA. Like, it's very, it's a very, very easy job. Steve Lavin wasn't a basketball coach and recruited very well at UCLA until it literally fell completely apart at the end. But everybody right. recruits well here. And if you recruit well in basketball, much more so even than in football, if you recruit well in basketball, you're going to have a lot of talent and you're going to have some good teams if you can coach them a little. And I right. and Mick Cronin passes my test there. He can definitely right. coach at least a little. We know for sure he can coach at least a little. So, yes, I think he'll have some success here. You know what's amazing to me, too, is uh, you – this is something I think we all should kind of just dwell on. And you completely said it. I don't, uh, maybe I, you know, since I went to UCLA, I do this. What's the site's name? I, I'm, I might be know. a little biased or looking through blue. Uh, but you and I have prided ourselves on not looking through blue colored glasses. But it's just amazing to me that people can't recognize that, that it's a good job from so many standpoints that um, expectations are so low. They've been beaten down so far uh, um, first. And, and the number one thing that coaches consider are expectations because that's what, that's the judgment. That's the thing that sets the standard on what you're going to be judged by. So expectations, number one, two, can you recruit? How easy is it to recruit? UCLA is a pretty, like you said, pretty easy place to recruit. Is it a place where you would be proud to be a number one public university in the country? Is it a place where you'd want to live? There are a lot of people who don't want to live here, but there are a lot of other people who might like living in West LA, <laughs> you yeah. know, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. Um, the PAC 12. I mean, there isn't a better time to come in to the Pac-12. Garbage oh my league. God. I, I've never, I don't think in my life it's ever been this bad. I couldn't, it was hard to watch the Pac-12 this year. It was so bad. Um, and then the one thing that always kept back UCLA was that it was cheap. It didn't have facilities or resources or money. You know, this whole thing, it's just out of control with the charter jets. I mean, that has become the emblem of whether UCLA has money or not now and can play with the big boys. UCLA now has money. It has facilities. Go look at Mo Austin. That is a beautiful facility. It's it checks all the boxes right now. You would think there'd be a smart smart coaches who go way wow. This is an amazing opportunity. This is a time where this is a job Tony Bennett in any other time should be taking this job 
and he's not, and a bunch of big name coaches aren't because they're not seeing the inherent value of this of this job. Uh, to me, uh, that people we think there's an East Coast bias, and I always want to just say, well, no, come on. But there is a bias against UCLA because it is just plainly obvious to me, and people are overlooking it. For because they must have, if we're talking about agendas, they must have an agenda. Uh, because to me, it's just, it's inherent. It's just obvious. It's intrinsic. Uh, there, I don't know how you can say it's not a good job. Well, so and, there you go. And I think I want to be very clear about the expectations because I think people. This is where people get messed up because UCLA does have high expectations by the standard of like a middling high major. Like, if you're comparing this to, I don't know, Minnesota, yeah, UCLA has high expectations, for sure. I mean, Minnesota wouldn't have hired, fired Steve Alford after that start to the 2019 season. You're going to get you're gonna get a text, or you're going to get DM'd by a Minnesota fan now. But I'm yeah, sure go I will. ahead. I'm sure I will. Yeah. But, but, but like a middling high major, no, it's got higher expectations than that. But justifiably, UCLA recruits at a top five level. Now... Does it have the expectations of North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, or Kansas? Hell no. Nowhere close. Ben Howland, there's no way he would have survived 2012 if the expectations were anything like that. There's no way Steve Alford would have survived last year if the expectations were anything like that. If you told, if you didn't say the name and you went to various coaches across the country and said, how would you like to go to a program that is flushed with cash, resources, is going to pay you probably a could pay you a top five or six salary in the country. It recruits top five in the country, even when it's losing and it doesn't have any expectations that come close to Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. Would you want that job? Exactly. And so that's where, uh, and it's, I, I don't know if it's a lot of it. I, I, I know people like to think there's like a scheme. There's a bias. There's all these kind of things. It's just that people are very dumb. And so when you look at Ben, when you look <laughs> at Ben Howland's, when you look at Ben Howland, they're like, "Oh my gosh, they fired Ben Howland after he won the Pac-12." Without considering that the very previous year, if they'd fired him in the wake of the Reeves Nelson story, everyone would have been like, "Oh, completely justified hire, firing. It's it's a scandal." But because they waited a year, because it's UCLA, suddenly the narrative changes because these guys have the memory of a goldfish, and they just can't understand that. Oh, wait. Maybe the cultural systemic things that were a problem then are still a problem now. Who knew? And then Steve Alford, if, you know, I mean, this is one where I think the narrative has been better, but you still hear the stuff that's like, oh, the expectations are too high. Not as bad as they were around Howland, but still like that. And it's just, you have to take context into account. Would any program recruiting at a top five level allow their coaches to consistently get double digit seeds in the NCAA tournament or miss it altogether? And have teams that are outside of the top 25 most of the year. No, of course not. So right. why is that Why is that the case for UCLA? Why do UCLA <laughs> fans have to be like, oh no, we're going to keep this sucker for as long as he <laughs> wants to be here uh, because we have this bad reputation? Uh, that's one of my favorite things too. UCLA has way too of high expectations. And then and along those lines, Steve Lavin and other people say they fire their coaches too quickly. <laughs> It's so weird. Uh, Lavin went seven seasons, right? Lavin, Lavin went, went seven s- seasons. Ben Howland went, went ten, ten and, and Steve s- Alford went six or well six. 
Let, yeah. Let's count six. Yeah. How many good seasons were in there? So you've Probably got, you've got four or five. I'll even give Alford. I'll give Alford two, being super generous. And then Howland had, I think, four. If you're giving him 2009 two, otherwise it was like all the rest of them were kind of middling. Um, and then Lavin, it depends on how you're grading. I mean, because the recruiting was so good off the national title, they had some good years in there. Um, but I'd give him probably three. Yeah, the elite. It, eight it's year. just so weird. Do do they fire coaches given performance, or they fire coaches unjustifiably or quickly? Yes, if it's Washington State. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's just uh, that's why I think can it really just be stupidity, Dave, or is, is there a bias? It, no, no. I I I've come around to the idea that it's mostly these guys being ignorant, stupid, no memory whatsoever. Because I've been around enough media types now. You know, and so have you. Like, they're not, like, by and large, a sharp class of people, um, especially sports media. It's just, it's a lot of dummies. And it's a lot of well, dummies who also get their ego into it, especially when you get to the national columnist level. And yeah. they've just got their heads shoved so far up their own assholes that they're actually inside of their own heads again. But there's now, like, a <laughs> double layer of skull. Yeah, I think that's one thing that people always don't get is journalists are the media they're all human they all have their and especially now it used to you know a long time ago journalists were supposed to be more objective but now it's just the standards are are so lax and out of control these are all humans that have their biases and are able and now they have platforms they've got these soapboxes that they can get on and and just rattle off their opinions without really any adherence to objectivity in a lot of ways. So I, I'm stupefied by that, that someone that smart people don't just sit down there and go, okay, let me don't put a name on this job. Let's just look at the things it has going for it. And you go, Oh no, that's, that's an elite job. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that how it's proven. And I was even writing that the brand has been so diminished because of, re but you know, whenever I talk brand, I hate that because it, that's all about like what you said. That's all about perception rather than real value. That's what brand means to me. I, I, I hate that word. But and I know it. it's just literally the reality here of life. But there is a value that just because your brand's diminished, that doesn't mean the value is. There's an intrinsic value that people aren't seeing. I, I'm, I'm kind of stunned by the whole thing. It, it reminds me, I can't, you know what? I should have looked this up. There's a book that coincidentally Steve Lavin and another guy, Matthew McConaughey advocate as like their personal Bibles. And I, God, I can't remember the name of it, but it's all basically the book just advocates style over substance. That's what you do. Just fake it until you make it. And that's what it's all about. And it just seems like that there's such a lack of recognition of true value and it is all about branding and faking it, you know, and I, I don't know. Yeah, I, you're right. I need therapy. <laughs> yeah, I think you could use some. And look, we all could. We've all been watching uh, UCLA do its thing for a, a number of years now. So I think we could all use a substantial amount of therapy.
And and then you got to give Mick Cronin a lot of credit because he gets it. Mick Cronin gets he, it. He gets it. I mean, it's not just obviously. You could say, well, it's a step up for him. He's making a lot more Look, money. This I mean, and this. I'll get a lot of things for four million dollars a year too. <laughs> right, but he the there's obvious the knowledge and awareness of what UCLA is 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 at least in his brain to where he's saying it as opposed to like others who don't even have that kind of grasp of what it is. So he obviously does get it. And I think that means a lot. Like you said, there are a lot of stupid people out there who don't get it. And he seems to be a person that gets it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we, I think we talked this enough and I, should I have a GoFundMe? For my therapy, I think or? you should. I think you should. I think um, I think that would be good, and I think people would pay it. I think they really would. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll be back again with you guys. I'm sure very soon. Um, you know, pay for Tracy's therapy um, by subscribing to Bruin Report Online. Um, there you go. That'll right. work. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruin Report Online, and we will talk to you again next time. See y'all.